Good evening, everyone. How are you all doing? Is everyone doing well? Good. I spent the afternoon playing Mario 64 with my son. It's very fun. Has anyone ever played that one? It's the one where you jump on squares and you try and catch stars uh, on the old Nintendo 64. Anyway, it was great fun. Um, but it's great to be here this evening, whether you're joining us online or if you're here in person. Um, for those of you who I haven't met, I'm James. I'm one of the curates here. We arrived in July. Um, if you're new to us, we are, you are particularly welcome. Do come and say hi at the end. It'd be great to get to know you. We're in this series at the moment looking at Jesus eating with people. There's something incredibly humble and fun about the idea of the Son of God coming down to earth and eating with people. And this is another fantastic story, the story of Zacchaeus. Put your hand up if you were ever in like a, I know not everyone probably was, but were you ever in a Sunday school as a child? And did you ever make a little Zacchaeus that went up a tree? Or did you ever do a Zacchaeus song? The one that goes, um, he looked up into the tree. Um, (laughs) I won't sing it all. Um, Great, a few of you did. Anyway, it's one of those stories that, most people have heard before, and if you haven't, it's a charming story. But I want to suggest to you tonight that this story has such power for us as well. It's a great story for kids, but it's also for all of us. It's probably one of the most moving stories in the whole of the Gospel of Luke. The story of this man whose life was changed, changed in a moment. So I want you to imagine that you're there in Jericho. It's about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. There's a little map if you like maps. If you don't like maps, feel free to ignore it. Um, This is very geeky, apologies. But um, here's Jericho on the right. So this is northeast of Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem as the sacrificial lamb who will offer himself up to be killed, and then three days later, rise again. But he's not there yet. He's on his way, and he's coming into Jericho. And in Jericho, he has just um, healed a blind beggar. And he's given him sight, which would have been absolutely life-changing. And then here he is, arriving into Jericho, There would have been crowds waiting, people gathering around. News would have spread fast of this traveling prophet who was preaching this odd message about the kingdom of God, who made blind men see, lame walk, who healed a woman who was bleeding for years with just a touch of his clothes. The crowd would have been waiting and waiting on this hot, probably a hot, dusty day. They, most of them were. Everyone jostling to see him. And here enters into the story this man, Zacchaeus. Now, he was a chief tax collector. And we know that Jericho was kind of a toll collection point. It was one of those cities uh, where if you were transporting goods, you would pay your tolls in Jericho. If you want to transport goods, goods, you go there and you would pay someone like Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. Now, tax collectors were seen as absolute traitors by the Jews because, of course, they were gathering money on the behalf of the occupiers, the Romans, the enemies, the ones who shouldn't be there, but they've taken over Jerusalem. And then they employed people, Jews, 
usually to be tax collectors. And he wasn't just a tax collector. He wasn't just a traitor. He was a chief tax collector. This is the worst of the worst. And he would have been shunned by society. If he went into the local Weatherspoons uh, or equivalent, no one's buying him a pint. He's that kind of guy. No one's going to save him a seat. He was a pariah in that community. And that fits with the story because as Jesus arrives into Jericho, Zacchaeus, he can't get near him. The crowds aren't letting him through. But he really wants to get to Jesus. And you have to ask the question, why? Like, why does this rich tax collector, this chief tax collector who seemingly has everything, why does he want to get to Jesus? Well, perhaps he's heard stories of this great man. News would have spread fast about those healings. Perhaps he's realized that there's something missing in his life. Maybe that's something we can relate to when we come to Jesus for that first time. We know there's something missing in our lives. But whatever the reason, he's trying to get to him. And it says in verse 4, he couldn't get to Jesus. So it says, he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Sycamore trees are great for climbing because they've got low branches. But it's not really the sort of thing that adults do, right? When I go to Kew Gardens at the weekend with my kids, quite illegally, they jump on the trees and try and climb them because there's something in children that just love to climb trees. You're not really supposed to climb trees at Kew Gardens, but they do. My kids absolutely love them. And so hoping to catch a glimpse of this preacher, this chief tax collector embarrasses himself. He goes and does what the children do. He goes and climbs a tree. It's not done. It's a bit socially odd, but he's determined to see Jesus. God was working in Zacchaeus' life. God was in his heart. There was something in him that just knew he had to see this guy. And you know what? Just to pause from the story for one moment, sometimes we see this in life, that the Holy Spirit works in the hearts of the least likely people in our society. People at your school or college or workplace who you think they would never be interested in God. Just sometimes God is working by his spirit in those people and drawing them in. I, I came across a few articles recently, maybe you've heard of this as well, but there's one article that I was looking at particularly, maybe we can put it on the screen. It was talking about how Muslims in the Middle East have been having dreams about Jesus. There have been various articles. So one of them is this guy, Dudley Woodbury, who's been um, doing interviews with 750 former Muslims. And they say one of the reasons why many Muslims in that area became Christians is because they had a dream of Jesus. God was revealing himself by his spirit, just as he was doing with Zacchaeus. And that's not the only study. There was another one. Mission Frontiers magazine did this study of 600 Muslim converts. And they found out that 25% of them had experienced dreams that led to their conversion. Not only that, I've had friends who I thought would never be interested in Jesus. And yet, God is working in their hearts by the, by the Holy Spirit. Just like Zacchaeus. Maybe you and I have experienced that too. Well... Back to the story. Zacchaeus is up his tree. 
He's probably panting from the effort, and he's watching. And it says in verse 5, Jesus reaches the spot, and he looks up, and he sees him. It's a really powerful moment. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Jesus sees us in our troubles, in our difficulties, in the good, in the good moments and, and in the bad moments of our life. And he says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Can you imagine the crowd? They must be like, what is going on? This is shocking. He doesn't know this is a tax collector, surely. He's, he works for the enemy in fact, he's not even a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. Jesus, how on earth can you be talking to him? It says in verse 7, the crowd grumbled. They just didn't get it. But Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. And do you know what? He calls us by name. He calls you and he calls me by name. And he invites us to know him. And Zacchaeus responds straight away. And in verse 6, it says, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. The ESV describes it as, he says, he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. I think I prefer that word, joyful. He joyfully received Jesus. So I guess a, perhaps a good question is, what on earth is going on in Zacchaeus' heart? You know, he serves the Romans. He's embarrassed himself climbing a tree. And at, this, at the instruction of a Jewish rabbi, he starts to act entirely differently. What's going on? Well, I think the answer to our question is verse 8. Zacchaeus says, look, Lord. It's that one word, Lord. Such a powerful word. Jesus, uh, to Zacchaeus, isn't just a traveling preacher. He's not a bit of a t entertainment. He's not like when you spot a celebrity. Um, we were in Kew Gardens the other day, and we saw uh, the guy who played Marius in Les Mis. Did you guys see that one? I've forgotten his name. Uh, Eddie Redmayne. Thank you, Eddie Redmayne. There we are. It's not like when you just spot a celebrity like Eddie Redmayne. This is entirely different, Zacchaeus. No, he's Lord. And that word Lord is an interesting word. Uh, in the original language, it's Kurian. I was terrible at Greek at, at college. But anyway, it's Kurian. It means master. The one who is in charge. Lord. Zacchaeus publicly declares that Jesus is his Lord. He's saying, look, I've got a new master. I'm not serving the Romans anymore. I'm not serving myself and my own interests anymore. I'm serving my Lord Jesus. He's got my heart. He's my boss. He's in charge now. It's a massive declaration. And that's the topic that we're looking at today. What does it mean to make Jesus Lord, to make him Lord of our lives. He used to serve the Romans, and now he serves Jesus. Um, I heard a great story um, a few years ago. Um, has anyone read the book Run, Baby, Run by the evangelist Nicky Cruz? You may have mentioned this guy before, but he was um, brought up um, in Puerto Rico, and uh, he was from a very poor family. And he ran away. He was sent to New York to live with his older brother, but he ran away from him. And he ended up joining the gangs in about 1950s in New York. And you know what? His life got worse and worse and worse. 
he started to do terrible crimes in this gang called the Mau Mau's. And in fact, he, so, he was so good at doing crime, he was so good at taking responsibility and doing the worst things for this group, that he became what they, what they termed the warlord of the Mau Mau's, the one in charge. Everything in his life was serving himself. He was lord of his life. But the story goes that there was a Christian pastor called David Wilkerson. And he spotted Nicky in the gangs in New York. And he just sensed that God was going to do something in his life. Just like Jesus sensed that Zacchaeus would be changed. David Wilkerson spotted him and he just knew it. And so, the story goes that David Wilkerson started to organize events. He started to organize evangelistic events. And he said to the man, I was, come along. You want to come and hear this? And they were like, we're not going to you. In fact, one time, um, David Wilkerson said to Nicky Cruz again and again, you should come along. You should come along. And he got so angry, he slapped him as hard as he could in the face. David Wilkerson kept going. He kept going and he kept going until one day, Nicky Cruz just broke down in tears and he made Jesus his Lord. It's a great story. I'd recommend reading his biography. But he learned to put Jesus at the center and from that he brought healing to his life and suddenly he wasn't serving himself anymore. He was serving Jesus. And I love this quote. It's only through service and surrender, which is the heart of the Lordship of Jesus, that we find the joy and the freedom in Christ. The joy and the freedom. That's what Zacchaeus found. Well, Zacchaeus, going back to the story, has a new master. He's met Jesus. He's declared that he's Lord. And he wants to give Jesus his whole heart, just like Nicky Cruz did. He wants to turn his life around. And so he says, verse 8, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. If you didn't know, you might think this is a bit random, because surely at the moment we're talking about Zacchaeus' heart. Why is he talking about money all of a sudden? Seems a bit of a shift. But Zacchaeus is saved, and God has his whole heart. And Zacchaeus wants to love God with every area of his life. That's what lordship is. It's loving God in every area. And do you know what? Zacchaeus just becomes painfully aware that he has cheated people again and again. He's collected more taxes than he should. He's collected more money. He's kept money for himself. And so out of love for Jesus, he wants to put that right. It's not what saves him. He's already saved He's already made Jesus Lord, and now he can't help but live differently. And so he starts to redistribute his wealth for the benefit of others. He actually makes a public vow to donate half his wealth to the poor. And he promises to pay back four times to all those who have cheated him, or sorry, to whom he has cheated. It's not really about money. It's about Zacchaeus' heart. He wasn't saved by giving away his money, but he couldn't help but live differently, just like Nicky Cruz couldn't help. The American pastor, Tim Keller, I think puts it really helpfully. He says this, God's salvation does not come in response to a changed life. Basically, you don't have to try really hard. 
He says, a changed life comes in response to the salvation offered as a free gift. Well, Jesus finishes this little story by saying to Zacchaeus in verse 9, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus was lost, but, but gave Jesus his whole heart and he was found. He was saved and his life never looked the same again. What is lordship? Well, it's loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength, as Jesus said in Mark 12. It's to love God. It's to love God. Perhaps one way of looking at this concept of lordship is to look at a picture of a house. So here's a picture of a house. Looks a little bit like a strange doll's house that my daughter would enjoy. And uh, our, the house of our lives, each of our lives, has lots of compartments. And I don't know about you, but I find it really easy to love God in certain areas. Like, I'm pretty good at looking holy when I'm holding a microphone in church. But sometimes I find it's harder to look holy when I've stubbed my toe and I'm tempted to swear. Or, or in another area of my life. So let's put up a few areas so they're on the screen. So these are just a few examples. Now, this isn't legalistic. This isn't saying you have to do these things to be saved. No, the invitation is to make Jesus Lord tonight. But as a response to that, as a way of loving God, we choose to love God with each area of our life, to make him Lord in every single area. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And so perhaps we could just keep that picture up. And I think tonight I've got a couple of invitations for us to think about in this time of silence when I finish. And the first invitation is, there might be some people tonight who think, well, this is beyond me. I've not even invited Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Well, can I encourage you, tonight is a great night to do that. If you've never taken the step that Zacchaeus took, or that Nikki Cruz took, or that I took when I was 12 or 13. Tonight is an invitation for you to make Jesus your Lord. If you want to do that, we would love to pray with you. I know that Abraham and Jules are going to be over on my right over there. They would love to pray with you. Or come chat to me at the end. I'd love to pray with you. So that's the first invitation. Making Jesus your Lord is as simple as saying, I'm sorry for what I've done. I love you. I make you my king. That's it. It's as simple as that. So that's the first invitation. But the second one is, there might be just an area of our life where we think, oh, I'm not sure I've really given that to God. It might be that we are fearful of our health or that we eat badly and we know we're not really honoring God in our body and we ask God for help with our health or maybe it's the way we use the internet. Maybe we're tempted to look at things we shouldn't and we know that's something we want to cut out and we want to bring to God. It might be to do with our money. You know that really your money, you've kept it for yourself a bit like Zacchaeus did. Actually, the Bible talks about the gift of generosity, being able to give so maybe that's something you want to put straight tonight. It might be an area to of sexuality and how we express that. It might be to do with how we work. Are we being lazy in our work? Are we overworking? That's not godly either. This isn't a legalistic list. This is what I hope is a helpful invitation to bring to God each area of our life and to make him Lord. And again, just like the first one, all we do is we say, Lord, I'm sorry, please help me. And by his spirit, 
he helps us. I'm just going to say a final prayer, and then we're going to take a moment to reflect on these areas about what does it mean to make Jesus Lord in every area. And then at the back, I've got some stones, and if anything to do with what I've said tonight applies to you, what I'd like you to do is to come and collect a stone, and if you want to, just come and lay it on the wood at the front. We've done this before. But it's just a way of saying, Lord, there's an area of my life that I want to give you. And you could collect it. It'll be just at the back. There'll be two baskets. You collect a stone. You bring it to the front as we sing the next song. But let's pray now together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the example of Zacchaeus. Thank you for the way that he was changed and that he made you Lord. And Father, for each one of us, whether for the... uh, For the first time tonight, we want to make you Lord. Whether there's just an area we know that we want to bring to you. Father, would you help us? And thank you, Lord, that 1 John 1 says that as we bring it to you, he says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. And he has sent his helper to strengthen us by his Holy Spirit to love you more this week. Amen.